This morning we continue our series with Amazing Love of God and the Life of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. Today's passage is invite of children of God to respond to the love of the Father through the participation in the imitate of the life of the prayer. Here's the word of God, Luke 11, 1 through 15. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught us his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, how be your name, your kingdom come, Give us each day our daily bread, forgive our sins, and we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight, and say, Friend, let me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless and audacity, he will certainly get up and give you as much as you need. So I said to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receive. The one who seeks, find. And to the ones who knocks, the door will be open. Which of your fathers, if you're asked, ask for? A fish will give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, through your evil, know how to give a good gift to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. All flesh is grass, is all this beauty like a flower in the field. Amen. Hey, Aldrin, thank you so much. I asked her earlier, I said, hey, are you nervous reading in front of everybody? She says, no, I exercised yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, someone who I'm getting ready to introduce to you looked to me and says, I haven't exercised in a while. Should I be nervous? <laughs> I just said, join the club, you know. So uh, we, we, what a privilege we have to be in this whole faith journey together. We have this amazing invitation Jesus gives us through his work. And we get to celebrate a participation that we have with one another. So before I introduce to you two friends, most of you are probably already familiar with them, I just want to give you a little context for where this passage is. This passage in Luke, it comes after uh, Luke 9.52, where Jesus is described as setting his face towards Jerusalem. Jesus has made his focus the cross. This is what we celebrate during Lent, this journey to the cross, and it's because of the cross where Jesus suffered, that we can find healing. Where Jesus was betrayed, where we can be accepted. Where Jesus died so that we can find life. Where Jesus took our sin so that we can be forgiven and begin again. And so it's this context of relationship through the work of Jesus where we have this intimate invitation to pray. 
And so I thought that today we could celebrate the participation we have in the body of Christ to, to hear from two friends of our church. I'm going to invite Izzy Mendez. Uh, Izzy is married to Sarah there. Sarah's right beside him, and he's a pastor at ACC Downtown. It's a church plant that we partner with, um, and uh, we're glad you're here. Caleb, I thought signs, I thought he would already be walking up here. Caleb is, you recognize his wife, Jen. She was uh, tickling the ivories over here playing keyboard for us. Uh, But Caleb uh, and Jen and their two children, they're going to be planting the Garden Church Uh, which is going to meet out in the medical center. And what I've asked them to do, we have waters here if you get thirsty. Uh, If you get nervous and you want to start running in place, Izzy, you can do that too. So I'm going to ask them a few. (laughs) You can do some burpees. So I want, I, want, I want them to give you a little update. We, our church, you, you might have seen these guys if you've joined us for our citywide worship services or prayer nights that we've done in here on Sunday nights. Some these guys have been up front uh, with us. Uh, if you pray for our church planning partners, these guys are uh, faces to churches that are being planted in our city that we just celebrate partnering with. But by way of a little introduction uh, for y'all personally in your churches, is, Izzy, I'm going to ask you, to tell us a little bit about what God is doing uh, at ACC downtown. And, you know, maybe, maybe a minute, but I want you to respond to this, this joke, all right? Watch the clock. So. You watch the clock. Yeah. I'll watch the clock. Okay. Yeah, I got that, all right? I'm a Presbyterian here. It's like the Holy Spirit can move as much as he wants within the time frame. Yeah, so, all right. I'm Baptist. We got to get to lunch. We got, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's good. That's good. We're basically in the same boat. Okay, so a Buddhist... And an ex-con walks into a bar. What happens? Gets baptized. Hey! hey. Last Sunday. Tell us about that. So uh, some of you have participated in this awakened prayer and fasting through the month of February. And as our church, uh, this is the second year we do it, we've committed to a time of prayer and fasting for the renewal of our city, asking God to move. We're encouraging evangelistic efforts in the life of our church and their friend groups. And we're, we're finding ways to bless our neighbors and friends, and well, we meet at a bar, so it kind of it kind of uh, facilitates some of that. And as we've been praying and fasting, last week we uh, baptized five people who have surrendered their life to Christ. As we've been praying, yeah, yeah, it's uh, an incredible God story. Uh, but as we're we're baptizing them, we have them share their story. We have them give a, a testimony, a brief testimony of, of their life before Christ, what God's doing, how they encountered Jesus, and now life now. And, and basically, two, one guy goes, "Yeah, I had two charges on me." Uh, I was like, "Wow, I had no idea." Uh, and uh, was surrendering his life to Christ. And then another guy was like, "Hey, I, I was a Buddhist. I, I just moved here from Vietnam. Uh, surrendered his life to Christ. Is now following Jesus, and, and now knows the grace of God." Amen, so yeah, we're excited. Amen. And we, hey, look, just so you guys know how we keep scores, Presbyterians, when we partner with a church in planting and they get new baptisms, and we, we count those. Yeah, yeah, that counts. That counts so, 100%. All right, team yeah. win here. My yeah. name is Mitchell Moore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. Mas Moore yeah. in Spanish. Mas Moore. El Dios se habla español también, yeah? Claro que sí. de Cristo. So, Caleb. Yeah. <laughs> Caleb, uh, you know. You guys are going to be planting, formally launching in August or September, in September of this year. Um, one thing I appreciate about you and anybody who knows you is your, is your love for liturgy, uh, particularly the church calendar. So tell us a little bit about who you are in your church, just in talking about the priority of, uh, of liturgy. Yeah, so my name is Caleb. We're planting the garden in September, so we're still in that stage where all of our ideas are good. 
because we haven't started yet. Um, it's so true. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> yeah, give it a year. Uh, I didn't grow up uh, in a tradition or a denomination that really placed a lot of emphasis on liturgy. I don't know that we even said the word liturgy. Um, and, and it wasn't until I stepped into ministry, worship leading, where I really got a taste for the power of liturgy to form people after the story of the gospel. And so the truth is every church has a liturgy, and the liturgy is how we kind of look at and represent the story of the gospel until we realize that that story is our story. We find ourselves in it. It shapes who we are. It kind of wears grooves in the records of our heart. And one of the reasons I love the church calendar is it allows us to do that in greater detail. And so it's like looking at a great painting or reading a great story. The, the church calendar gives you the opportunity to step up and see the details, the brush strokes of the gospel, and to kind of walk through it at a pace that's slower, that allows it to, to shape who you are in a more intentional way. And so we're in the middle of a Lent movement together. Uh, our core team is, it involves prayer, fasting, prayers with one another, uh, intercessory prayers, and then prayers for our, our city and for other churches here in San Antonio. Yeah, thank you very much. And I think it's important for us to hear that because sometimes as Presbyterians, uh, we can have a high view of liturgy and forget the beauty of it. And so learning from our church planning partners uh, why that's a priority for you all, you put it, you put it beautifully. Uh, I'm just going to be honest with you. You can already tell. Um, my biggest fear in having these guys up here is that 90% of y'all would be like, wow, those guys are cool. I want to go to their church. You know? <laughs> just going to be honest, all right? So... Uh, but we're going to unpack the word together, and it truly is a privilege to have you here. So we're going to look, be looking at this passage that Aldrin read uh, from Luke. And uh, here's my first question to you guys. You know, Jesus is on his way to the cross. We can have a relationship with the Lord uh, because of the work of Jesus. But how does it, if the disciples are asking how to learn how to pray, what is it that walking with Jesus does that cultivates a hunger in our hearts? It gives us a longing to have a deeper understanding of prayer. Y'all can, either one of y'all can start. I think uh, prayer sometimes like uh, an anchor. And um, last week we spent with the core team uh, time walking through Psalm 32. Psalm 32 says, uh, let the faithful uh, give prayer to you, God. And there's a, a part in verse 8 where it says, don't be like a, a mule or a horse that needs to be controlled with bit or bridle without understanding, uh, for they won't be near to God. And I think prayer is what keeps us near. Um, it's a, a certain kind of understanding we have, though. I think sometimes we want to know exactly what God's about. But what prayer reminds us is that the base level of understanding is that it's good to be near to God. And so when you think of prayer like an anchor or a conversation, it's something you get to return to over and over again, and it's less about performance. I think, I mean, I'd love to meet the person here who's like, I've got prayer figured out. My prayer life's awesome. I think most of us would like to get better at prayer. And so when I think of it as that, as an opportunity to step into conversation that God initiates, it, it makes it more a matter of possibility than performance. Oh, that's beautiful uh, through personal relationship. Just a reminder, when you hold the mic, hold it up top because it will block the, okay. uh, the, yeah, thank you. We, we want to make sure we hear everything you say. Izzy, what would you add to that? How is it and why that, that really walking with Jesus deepens our desire for that anchor, that deeper dependency on the Lord in prayer, the uh, possibility through personal relationship? Yeah, I think... When I think of prayer, you know, there's a lot of things that come to mind. There's like silence. I'm a big silence guy. I love silent prayer. 
uh, probably too much. <laughs> like everybody, stop talking. I'm trying to listen to God. <laughs> uh, but but there's this this idea that it, it produces dependence, right? Like if if we're honest with one another, prayer is a strange thing. I say this to our church all the time, but but we have a lot of people who are just coming to faith or right. people that have no experience with, with it whatsoever, aside from maybe something they repeated when they were younger, they don't really know what, what this is like. But it is a strange thing to, to be like, okay, I'm going to sit down, and, and depending if you're Baptist tradition, I don't know if Presbyterians really did we quiet time. We sit down time. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe you lay on the ground. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, 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 you know, it was like, okay, I got to make this space perfect. I got to make my coffee. I got to put my Bible, Instagram it a little bit. Uh, well, whatever this looks like. But, but we, it's a strange thing to just be in stillness and, and ask God to speak to you, uh, to, to, to give him the desires of your heart, to, to make these requests known. I, I love that, that you're expressing this as this invitation of Jesus, because that's what it is. It's an intimacy, a communication, a line of communication that God is saying, hey, I, I want to speak with you. And I give you this ability to talk to me. We're going to jump into this a little bit, but this idea of like father and, mm. and friend, mm. like God invites us to commune with him through communication of, of prayer. And, and yet it's something that we don't take all that seriously a lot. And we have to, to remind ourselves that this prayer, this communication with God produces a dependence upon him that, that is sometimes very other than that we, we can't just conjure this up on our own. Mm. It's literally sitting in silence and talking to no one physically. And it's strange, yeah, but it, it is, is beautiful. De- it is definitely different. You're not talking to no one physically, but you're talking to the only one right. who really fully sees us and fully loves us. And it's interesting. I'm interested in y'all's thoughts on this because when the disciples say to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray, he gives the Lord's prayer. And that's something that, that we say every week. We'll, we'll say it together before we uh, come to the table. But uh, how does the Lord's Prayer empower your prayer life personally as a follower of Jesus and, and as a leader generally? Paper, rock, scissors? Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> um, I, I think this is kind of hearkening back to the power of liturgy, to, to what you said. Like, yes, he's speaking to people who are well accustomed with prayer, but I think what's in the gospel is for the benefit of people who are coming new to it. And so if you haven't prayed, you're like, where do I start? And most of the time we're listing a bunch of things or needs or it's where we're all ADHD for a moment, just saying whatever comes into our mind and then we get to a point of clearing. But I think what Jesus does in in teaching how to pray is he gives almost like a template. And I I think of the Lord's Prayer less as um, all uh, inclusive. It's not an exhaustive list, but it's encompassing. And as you pray these words, it shapes your heart for what's to come. And it really shapes your heart to be after the kingdom, to be after the will of God. I think, and again, we'll step into it, but I think it's instructive that right after it, Jesus' examples are coming to a friend and coming to a father. And you'll notice when he comes to the friend, it's for the benefit of another friend. He says, I got somebody coming over. I need some bread. So the prayer is, the the need is for someone else's benefit. And in the second one, it's coming to a father for something specific and trusting that the father is good to give you what you need. These are the prayers of the kingdom, prayers of dependence and prayers of service to those that God calls us to and those whom he loves. And so I think starting with the Lord's prayer shapes our hearts towards those two ends. Yeah, I would add to that on, on, on the reality that, that very on a practical level, right, we, we see this as uh, thou prayers in our requests, right? So this shapes how we pray. 
right? That, that we are to honor God as Father and revere him as holy, right? This is who he is. I think the, the problem with a, a lot of how we view God in modern evangelical society and culture is that we've kind of even taken away the holiness of God. Uh, we've used the term personal relationship a lot. And, and we do believe that God is personal. Right, right. But this is an our Father. It's a, it's a corporate prayer, Mm. Right? It embodies all of believers across denominations, across the spectrum, saying, this is our Father. We come to him as, as he is holy, mm. and we hear from a holy God. We can come to him and approach him, and then we can make our requests. And so this is what shapes how, how we pray on a very practical level, honoring God for who he is, and then as, as, as Father and as friend, we approach him with what we need. Yeah. I told you all you think he's really cool, and you want to go to their church. So. <laughs> Uh, so you mentioned already the images that Jesus uses. He, he gives the Lord's Prayer, uh, what we call the Lord's Prayer. And then he gives the image of a friend and of a father. Which one of these images resonates with you individually the most and is, is an invitation for others here um, to resonate with? Uh, I think they, they both resonate in different ways, which is the ultimate cop-out to the question. Um, <laughs> I think it, when it comes to ministry, the friend part resonates. Um, I, I, everything that we have as a, as a church plant is held with open hands. I don't know what next month's going to look like, let alone our targeted launch date. But I'm praying that God would give us the loaves of bread we need to serve our friends who are coming in. So when I think of prayers for our church, I think of that. On a personal level, I think the Father one really resonates. You know, I, I'm, I'm praying for things, for my family, for my church, for myself. I'm praying that God would continually shape and sanctify my heart. And I'm trusting that um, he's going to do that, that those are mm -hmm. prayers that he longs to answer because he's good. He, you know, we, we live in an age where people don't have a concept for transcendence. They, they don't even, you know, Charles Taylor would say that they have no understanding that there's a higher power. So the fact that there's a higher power that's benevolent, that's good, they have no concept for that either. And so this gives us an understanding that there is a higher power and ultimately he is good. And so in, in times of distress, again, Psalm uh, 32 says it, uh, in the rush of mighty waters, let the faithful offer prayer. And so for me, uh, church planting, there's a lot of waters. I'll just say that. So uh, <laughs> a lot of the father prayers uh, resonate. That's great. Thanks. Yeah, I, I, whatever Caleb said, he said it better than I could. <laughs> uh, honestly, for me, I, I, I think that I shared this with our church. The, we, did, we just finished a five-week series on the Lord's Prayer. And so it has been an incredible time. And I think the thing that really resonates with me is uh, the idea of God as Father. It's a beautiful thing. I, I've been blessed with an incredible earthly father. He's sitting in the back right there. It, it, he's, he's a very shy guy, so uh, just d don't talk to him. <laughs> I get it. He's, he's a go hug him. Go hug him. Uh, he's, he's awesome. Uh, my mom would be here, but she texts me. She goes, I got a massage. Okay, she's getting a massage right now, oh, so wow. that's why she's not oh, here. Wow. My father is faithful. <laughs> not that my mom isn't, but... Uh, it's hard to find an open slot right yeah, here. Yeah, right yeah. Here. Uh, but, but, you know, it was one of those she's things... She's going to really oh, be upset she, that you shared that She with has no Facebook, yeah. no anything, so don't, I'm, not, I'm not worried. Dad, do not say anything. Sarah, do not tell my mother. Uh, but, but when I think of, of God as father, I, I've, been, I've been privileged with an incredible earthly dad. And my earliest memories of my father when I was a child, my dad is a, 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 a blue collar kind of guy, worked in the oil industry for 39 years, the oil refinery in Three Rivers. 
would go to work at like 5 a.m. And every morning, my earliest memories of my dad were him coming to the room, thinking I was asleep at 5 a.m. and kneeling at my bed and praying for me. Mm. And I could smell his cologne right now, just, just taking me back there. And he would pray, God, save my son. Mm. Not knowing what, what my, my future would look like, but saying, God, protect him, keep him, use him for your honor, use him for your glory. And, and he would leave my room and go and pray the same thing in my sister's room. And so to know that this is the kind of love that our Father God has for us and invites us into relationship and, and, and cares about us and is wanting to give us these good gifts, right? This is the, the thing that resonates. And friend is obviously, it's, God is my friend. Like, not in the Jesus is my homeboy way. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, honestly, like, like, like Caleb is one of my best friends, and we've been homies for, for years. In fact, before we were on staff at the same church, and prior to that, when I was in college ministry at UTSA, and he was at another church, and uh, this, this idea of friend, God has used Caleb in my life and in, in Jen in so many ways. Like in, in, during the pandemic, uh, when everything was shut down, everything was locked down, they lived a, a mile and a half from me. And immediately knowing that at the time I was single, I wasn't dating, I wasn't married or anything. I had a whole house to myself saying, hey, we're not letting you be alone. If you need a quarantine, quarantine with us. Like, and through that, like I, was, I would go on walks with, with them and their family and, and Abby and Leland and Jen, and we would all walk together. And, and God really used them as, as friends to, to highlight his character and care for me. Mm-hmm. So both. That's, that's beautiful. Now, I, I just to add on to that question for both of you all, what do you say to people who may be skeptic? Uh, I've been wounded by friends. I didn't have a great model as a dad growing up. And so for Jesus to give this intimate invitation for personal relationship of prayer using those two illustrations, what do you say to people who might be so wounded they just default to their pain and impose that upon God? How do you break through that barrier and bring the invitation of Jesus for prayer home? Um, real quick, both my parents are here. I just needed to say that. I felt, I felt bad. Um, my, mo- my mom's the reason I'm wearing a collared shirt. Yeah. Um, it's so serious. That's right. uh, I, I would say, and, and you, you all know this if, if you're married, if you've got a close friend, uh, you know, every relationship is built on taking risks. The next step of deepening your understanding, the, the level of your relationship is built on taking the risk of trust. Can I trust this person to be vulnerable? Can I trust this person to, to see me as I am and, and still love me, to encourage me to be better, to challenge me? Uh, all of that requires risk. And so I think for people who are new to the experience of prayer, letting them step into that risk, like take the chance. I, I don't believe that the person who takes the chance in risking that God is worthy of our trust and devotion and love, worthy of our vulnerability and honesty and awareness and repentance of our sins. I don't think that that trust and that risk comes back void. And so I encourage people, take the risk. He's worthy of relationship. Try something you haven't tried and be honest and vulnerable in prayer. You know, in the, in the certain place, my translation says that Jesus was in a certain place. Pick that place of quiet, alone. I, I love what you said, Izzy, about silence. And the other thing is like what makes him trustworthy is we are not actually starting the conversation. 
he is. Prayer is a dialogue that God initiates with us. And so even that is an expression of his grace. He's reaching out to talk to you. And so you might start the verbal part of the conversation, but he's already started it with the stirring of the spirit. So I encourage people to, to trust and take the risk of relationship with God. That's really good. Don't take this the wrong way. I don't, no, I don't no, think I, you can do better I than won't. that. So, I can't. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna We're just going to go to the final question. I tried in Spanish. Um, <laughs> 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 Three people will understand. <laughs> so I, I'm just going to go ahead and articulate the question that all of these Presbyterians are asking. I mean, every Presbyterian here, they're on the edge of their seats. Why are you Baptist? No, no, just no, that's not the question. It's about Jesus landing the plane and talking about the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, what is it that after all this, at the climax of this section, is Jesus saying, how much more? Will your heavenly Father who loves you give the Holy Spirit to those who ask, right? Help us understand, interpret, and imply that briefly. Izzy, we'll start with you. Okay. Uh, The former Pentecostal guy. (laughs) Uh, Don't worry. I'm not going to shonda anybody or try and do fire. Okay. Uh, But, man, I I think, yeah, so I I grew up in charismatic churches and uh, was was, uh, really introduced to the gospel and Baptist life in college. And, And so in my upbringing, there was a very deep hunger for the spirit of God. Mm. Uh, and, and, and sometimes in weird ways, like manifestation, you're like, okay, what is happening? I have no idea. <laughs> um, but the reality is like a lot of times we, we kind of view the Holy Spirit as something other than, and the reality of, of where we're at in, in kind of our comfortability and in, in our faith and our walk with God is that we operate as if we don't need it. We don't need the Spirit. I can do good work apart from the Spirit. I can go about my religious duties apart from the Holy Spirit. And, and, and what God is, is, is showing us in this passage is that this Holy Spirit is a gift, mm. right? He, he's comparing gifts, right? He's like, how would you do this and get a, a, a serpent instead? And, and he's mm. saying, like, how much more would the Father give you the Holy Spirit? And we see that, that in, obviously, Luke, Acts, like Acts is Luke part two, basically. And, and we're seeing what the Spirit does for believers. Mm. Right? It's the spirit that, that gives power. It's the spirit that, that, that propels us for witness. Right? I, I, I have to question myself all the time. Like, yeah, I, I got seminary. I, I've done all these kinds of things. But am I operating in the power of the spirit, the gift that God has given me to be a witness and a light to the world? Mm. I need the spirit's power just to be kind to people. <laughs> you know, and, and, and the reality is that the, we operate a lot of times as if we don't really need it. We don't really need this gift. And God is saying, basically, this is the ultimate gift. Mm. We see that, that even in, in, in the life of the apostles, right, the life of the disciples, that they're pretty much nothing without this. Like they're, they're with Jesus. They're walking with him. They're, they're, they're learning how to pray. They're learning what it looks like to cast out demons and all these kinds of things. But when the day comes that Jesus is crucified, they scatter. Mm. And it's not until they receive the spirit that they are empowered for witness. And in my charge to the church is, is where's our dependence on the Holy Spirit so that we might be witnesses to the world? Amen. That's beautiful. Uh, not only does Holy Spirit seal our adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father, but Holy Spirit gives us the power to proclaim his love uh, to everyone in our neighborhood, all the neighborhoods of our city and among the nations. That is beautiful. Caleb, what would you add to that? Honestly, I thought you were going to tell me the same thing you told him. I'm not sure there's much <laughs> I could add to that. Um, I would say, uh, in, especially in the context of that passage, 
that is the greatest gift he could give. And so I think all the other things we desire uh, for the purpose of becoming more like Christ flow from our receiving the Holy Spirit. And so um, we're, we're talking about uh, John 4, uh, the woman at the well this week at our core team gathering. And, uh, you know, Jesus has this conversation with her and she runs to her village to tell everybody. And she says, essentially, almost timid, I think he's the Messiah. And the whole village comes and encounters him and they all come, come to faith. But I love this because she goes almost timid and scared, but the spirit does a work on her mm. behalf. And so I think the gift of the spirit is to remind us of dependence, that our faith is not a matter of performance. And I love liturgy, but sometimes that can lead towards people trying to perform their way into deeper faith. Everything flows, as you said, Izzy, out of the receiving of the Holy Spirit. And so when we receive that gift, we receive with it the gift of humility, the gift of recognizing our need, and the gift of knowing that out of God's heart flows the abundance of everything we could ever need to fulfill what he calls us to. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, I want to thank you all for being here. Can we thank Caleb and Izzy for sharing? Thank you all. I appreciate it, man. We love you guys. We are so grateful and humbled to be partnered um, with them and other church planners around our city and our area. Uh, but we celebrate the power of the Holy Spirit, friends, the intimate invitation of the Lord every time we come to this table. We can be secure in the covenant, steadfast love of the Lord because we know that it was the night that Jesus was betrayed uh, that after giving thanks, like he took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body given for you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, uh, he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of my new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. And as long as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, and he will come again. And you say, Mitchell, how does that help us celebrate the work of the Holy Spirit? Well, here's why. We know that Jesus is locally present at the right hand of the Father. He has ascended into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of the Father. But he's spiritually present in these elements. So we come to this table in our unrighteousness, and through his spirit, we feast on his righteousness. We come to this table in our mortality, and through the spirit, we feast on his immortality. And uh, we come to this table in our poverty, in our sin. And we come and we feast upon the riches of God's grace and his mercy. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, that though he was rich, he became poor so that by him we might become rich in grace and in love. And this, this is what we come to feast on, these elements where Jesus is spiritually present. And it's an invitation for all Christians, not just a Presbyterian table. It's not, it's not our table. This is Jesus' table. And so if you have a living relationship with Jesus, personal relationship where you're saved by his grace. Come feast upon his grace. But if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you're not yet part of his family, we're going to ask you to refrain. We'd be happy to pay, pray for you, but this is, this is a family table. And all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and are saved are welcome to come and eat. Let's pray together.
Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for the intimate invitation we have through your work to come uh, to be your children. Lord, we thank you for giving us the tangible signs and the seals of your grace that are the, the sacraments. Thank you for the Lord's Supper. Lord, we know that this is just common in an ordinary bread and cup. But by your spirit, you can set it apart and sanctify it so that you can feed us, nourish us with your grace. We ask that you would do so now. Give us, Lord, a deeper understanding of who you are and what you've done. And as we pray for these elements to be set apart, Lord, we just want to praise you for the reality that you are building your church in this city. We thank you that you're the head of the church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against the advancement of your church. And so we continue to pray for ACC downtown, for the garden, for other church plants that you give us the privilege to participate with. We thank you for the outreach that Rise did this weekend and the, the new believers that came into your kingdom. We thank you, Lord God, for uh, the marvelous, miraculous works that you are doing through church planners and church planning. We ask, Lord, that you would revive our hearts through helping us to see what you're doing as you equip and empower them, fortifying them with your spirit, strengthening them with your word, uh, and using them for your work. Lord, we pray for a movement of the gospel through your body in this city, uh, where truly as passionate as we are about fiesta or as passionate as we are about rodeo or as passionate as we are about the spurs or as passionate as we are lord god about celebrating the cultural flavor and familia of san antonio that we would be so deeply in love with you as your people that we would care more about advancing your kingdom in the hearts and the homes of our neighbors and the neighborhoods of our city deepen that in us and we thank you, Lord, that as your children, we can come to you and ask for anything. That's the invitation of the passage. And so we ask, Lord, that you'd revive us and use us to multiply your church in this city, disciples making disciples. And Lord, we thank you that as your disciples, as your children, we can pray together the way you taught us to pray, saying together the Lord's prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.